Once in a while, we meet someone who's had the good fortune to live the fantasy of falling in love with a gracious Frenchman and actually moving to France. But the seductive delights of French culture do come with a bit of a learning curve. Joining us right now to share their stories of a bicultural marriage in France are Sarah Turnbull, the author of the bestseller Almost French, Love and a New Life in Paris. She joins us from the Australian Broadcasting Company studios in Sydney. And American-born Nina Sovich is on the phone from her home in Paris. She has a blog about her family life in France at thesestolendays.com. Sarah and Nina, thanks for joining us. Thanks. Thanks, Rick. Now, Sarah, in your book, you wrote, I know of no other country that's so fascinating, it's so frustrating. In light of, uh, you know, the the excitement of uh, falling in love and marrying a Frenchman, what do you mean by that? There's a big difference between living in a place and visiting a place. And I think uh, France is is a place that we think we know. There are so many things we do know about it. We love the food. We love the wine. We we love the history. We want to know how they stay thin. We want to know how to how they raise their kids. And I'd visited France several times before I actually met Frederic and moved there, um, and had glorious holidays as, as a kid and and as an, a young adult. But it goes without saying that living in a place is very different from those, the, you know, spending a summer holiday there. And I think it was the challenge for me. What was the biggest challenge was just finding my feet and making a new home for myself, as well as obviously, you know, making friends. And um, I didn't know anyone in France that so was setting up my whole life there. Gosh, I hardly knew the man I'd moved there to be with. Um, <laughs> So we'd only known each other a month. So there were a lot of challenges at the beginning. And now you've been together for 10 years. You've got Oliver, who's seven years old, and you've written a book called Almost French. You know, the the Frenchmen are famous for uh, la seduction, right? Tell me about how was it that you fell in love with Frederick? We, We actually met in Bucharest, Romania. And then Frederick invited me to come and spend a little bit of time in a few days in Paris. And I ended up staying all summer, and then I ended up moving back there to be with him. How is a Frenchman different from an Australian? You grew up, uh, I would imagine, dating Australians, and suddenly you're in, in Paris. And there are big differences. I think one of the big things, I'd say, is more of a cultural comment, and that is, you know, I think Australia, that the masculine imprint on our culture is very strong, whereas I always think of France as having a very feminine culture. You know, you can be at a dinner party in Paris, and I remember this clearly, where a a group of heterosexual men will be discussing the fashion shows and the latest looks in the fashion shows and and discussing that very avidly. Now, that kind of um, scene is unimaginable in Australia. (laughs) For straight men to have a feminine side that they're comfortable showing. That's right. So that's, that's one big difference, and I notice it straight away. And I think you see it not only between you know, the differences between, say, men in Australia and, and French men, but also more broadly, I think Australians, and I'm sure Americans are the same, we're quite pragmatic. We like things to be functional. And if they look good, then that's kind of a bonus. Whereas the French like things to look good. And if they work, then that's the bonus. So I think you can see it in, in, in Paris more broadly, in, in the monumental beauty of the architecture and the monuments, but also in the beauty and the care that goes into the look of small things, um, the way a box of chocolates might be wrapped and presented, a boutique window. So for me, French culture is quite a feminine one. Uh, and it's something I miss, actually, now that I don't live there. 
Now, Nina Sovich, you're an American, and uh, tell us about your story. How did you meet Florent, and uh, and uh, how did you get caught up in the, the romance of France <laughs> and the Frenchman? Well, it's funny, because I was never a Francophile. I'd always spent much of my life in kind of hard-knocked places. I loved the Middle East. I loved Africa. And I was in Boston in graduate school, and I met this, what what I think of as a very dashing young Frenchman, and he was so very different from any of the men that I had either grown up with or I had known as a reporter later in my life. He was, as Sarah said so aptly, he was not feminine. I'm sure he would actually really dislike me saying that, but he was sensitive, I think, to the beauties of the world in a way that was was completely masculine and was also just hugely refreshing. Um, he was easy to talk to, a little huh. bit distant, a little bit formal, and, and even gallant. Um, huh. He did things like... <laughs> That's a French uh, that word, I isn't it? Found, yeah, no American man had had ever done before. I mean, he. I think we were on three dates before I even knew he had a mother. He. We talked about politics, and we talked about religion, and we... We sort of talked about the food a great deal, but but he had a he had a distance and he had a sort of interest in my perspective on the world that wasn't personal, and I I just loved it. I have to say, I found it sort of a sort of like dating somebody from the 19th century. Wow! So that's that gallantry <laughs> and gallant. I've never really heard in terms of uh, kind of summing up your relationship with somebody else, but there's a gallantry of about the French culture, and then that's interesting that you mentioned sensitivity. In America, we might call that feminine, but it's, to a Frenchman, to be sensitive is not necessarily feminine. It's just to be sensitive. No, it's sort of just to be awake and cognizant. Now, that's a beautiful thing compared to your cowboy. We're hearing firsthand what falling in love with a Frenchman means when you live as a married couple in France on Travel with Rick Steves. Sarah Turnbull wrote Almost French about life with her husband, Frederic. Her latest book, All Good Things, describes the family's move from Paris to Tahiti. They're now raising their son back in Sarah's home country of Australia. Her website is almostfrench.com. Nina Sovich and her husband, Florent, are raising their two children in Paris. She blogs about it at thesestolendays.com. Now, Nina, when you're, when you're thinking about, and a lot of women might be listening to this and thinking, oh, that sounds very attractive, but when you marry a Frenchman, then you learn what Frenchmen expect from their wives. Uh, yeah. w- were there any surprises? Kind of, and and uh, Sarah, we'll ask you the same question. But first of all, Nina, were there any sort of surprises once you're married of what is expected when you have this sensitive Frenchman as a husband? Yes. Well, I, I don't think it's easy work to be a French woman. There's there's a tremendous culture of beauty here that really filters through to women. It filters through to men too. Men are very careful about what they eat. They're very fashionable. They look great. You walk down the streets in Paris and. You just think, my goodness, the buildings are beautiful and the people are beautiful. But women take the hard end of that, I think. And there is the expectation that you will, most French women work. I think a higher percentage of French women work even than American women work. Many of them have three children uh, for financial reasons. And also the, the government's very generous about sort of helping you with your children and taking care of your children. But they have a lot of responsibility. I came, my mother is Swedish, and I grew up in Connecticut, and I was, you know, my dad always helped in the house, and as much as my husband is a wonderful man and very gallant, it, it, it took him a little while to understand that 
we were going to be really doing this together. <laughs> you say that with trepidation, even though you're talking to me. Yeah, but that's, I mean, that would be quite uh, a hurdle to broach, I would suppose. Now, Sarah, I was uh, fascinated in, in your book. You talked about how your husband was appalled when you went out to the bakery in your sweatpants. Tell us about yes. that. that um, it's funny, listening to Nina, I feel like we're married to the same person, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> because there are so many things that overlap and resonate. But yes, that incident, um, it was right at the beginning of our relationship. So we'd only been living together for a few months in Paris. And um, I put on a pair of warm-up pants or sweatpants to go out and buy a baguette. And um, uh, my husband, Frederick, looked at me in absolute horror and uh, said, but it's not nice for the baker. Hmm. And uh, he couldn't believe that I would be walking out the door in a pair of sweatpants. And uh, I have to say there's a little bit of a, a postscript to that. We've been living in Australia now for five years, and uh, Frederick frequently goes to our local bakery now wearing his sweaty oh. jogging shorts. <laughs> so you're giving him a little Australian culture. <laughs> yes. Look, I, I mean, I think it's lovely to dress up, and I've, I've always enjoyed that. But I'm, some, I'm very erratic, um, and I think I always was. In, in I think Paris did help me sort of uh, to pay more attention to that, but I never bought into it entirely. I mean, it was something I kind of held on to. Um, um, this is me, and and I don't have to look good all the time. So, so there was a bit of a compromise there. That's a beautiful thing. You're part of it, and and looking scruffy would almost be selfish the way you describe it. And uh, that's a, a different approach to life, I think. I'm uh, Rick Steves. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking with Sarah Turnbull. Sarah's written a book called Almost French about her experience marrying into French culture. And Nina Sovich is an American who's um, uh, married a Frenchman and is, writes a fascinating blog called TheseStolenDays.com. Now, Nina, you write in your blog about the whole lingerie thing, uh, and you actually <laughs> got to care about lingerie and what, like 17% of a woman's clothing budget is spent just on her underwear. Talk a little bit about that. My underwear drawer now epitomizes for me my transition to French culture. I mean, I was working as a reporter for a little while, and I covered luxury goods for a little while, and I sort of got a little insight into the aesthetics of French right. fashion, which isn't actually about how you look at all. It's how you carry yourself and how much self-respect you have and how much care you take. And so lingerie, I mean, it, there's still a part of me that thinks no one sees it, who cares? But it is very much a part of the culture here. You know, I, I have French girlfriends. We talk about it. We think about it. We go shopping together. And you begin to buy into it after a little while. Like, I actually wouldn't go to the butcher anymore in sweatpants either. And now I have nice lingerie. And I feel like it does kind of, it matters to my husband without going into that in too much detail. Right. But it does, it does sort of matter. I've heard that a good lingerie shop, you would assume they've got a bra lady just whose specialty is helping you get, get what you yes. need. Yes. Indeed, and she's not pulling any punches about what you need to do to um, make yourself more attractive. I mean, this is an honest woman. And it's not just for young, uh, available, single women. I mean, you wrote very um, vividly about, in the lingerie shop, you, you wrote, reach your hand over that 60-year-old widow for the half-price <laughs> yes. perle thong, and you might yes. lose it. <laughs> That's right. And that is, I mean, for all the, the, the difficulties here, that it is a nice place to grow old as a woman, because there's never any sense, I think, that your shelf life is, is over, and then you might as well just give up. Like, you are supposed to fight really to the end for your for your own beauty, for lack of a better word. And that doesn't necessarily mean you have to look 
20 at all. You are allowed to get old. But that's an ethic is not to let yourself go. I mean, Sarah, isn't there yeah. actually, there's actually a term mm. for it, I think, to make the most of yourself. What is that in French? I think the notion of self-respect and discipline is really important in the French culture. And that idea of restraint, I think, as well, that, again, you see it very broadly across the culture. You see it in the, in the architecture, which for me is, a, is that mix of um, that balance between uh, romance and restraint. You see it in the, in the way people dress. You know, French bon goût is really a balance between romance mm. and, and a restraint. And then you also see it in the way that the discipline they use in their self-maintenance. Um, that's so important. And some of the things that Nina was talking about and um, the way they won't, they won't snack between meals. They won't. Uh, my husband, who loves dark chocolate, he limits himself to a couple of little squares after dinner. He'll uh. never do what I do, and that is throw a piece of chocolate in my mouth before a meal <laughs> or, you know, just on the spur of the moment. That simply wouldn't happen. And, and I so related to something that Nina mentions in, in her blog, when she's confronted with this situation, part of her thinks, just eat the damn candy. <laughs> and uh, so and I, how many times have I thought, you know, watching my husband, just eat the damn chocolate. Just eat it. But, but there is that <laughs> discipline. I, Nina, you wrote in your blog quite interestingly um, about how, you know, both of you come from a very free-spirited culture, Australia and the United States, and there you're dealing with this rigid and perplexing code of life where, where especially among women, a lot is expected. You talked about you're expected to be beautiful, have discretion, have a steely cheerfulness, and yet yep. very little is explained. H- how do you grapple with that? Well, I mean, when I came, I had a very difficult time with it because I just didn't understand the rules. But I think once you understand what the rules are, you understand that you're, you know, you're not supposed to go down to the the butcher in your sweatpants. You're supposed to sort of keep yourself up or keep Mm -hmm. yourself together. Once you figure that out, there is actually not, it's not as rigid as it looks. Like there's a lot of room for, there's a lot of room for sort of crazy behavior here. There's a lot of sort of Latinate qualities that come out in people. You see people... It's definitely not a violent culture. It's so nice not to have to think about that. But you see people having temper tantrums on the streets. You see lovers quarreling. There's a lot of road rage. Like there, there's a way to express yourself here within certain parameters. And if once you figure that out, you can pretty much do whatever you want. You can, I mean, I, my husband fights with policemen here. I mean, not habitually, but we will argue with the policemen here over pulling me over or running a stop sign or something like that in a way I would never do it in the United States Mm -hmm. because I think that it is terrifying. I would never argue with a policeman there. But here it's like, it's sort of egalitarian and, and, you know, I know that that's okay. So as I said, like, it is structured and it is, there are a lot of rules, but once you figure them out, it's not that bad. And it's not that bad for children either. Like, there's a lot of rules for kids and that can be hard on, on kids, but they also sort of figure out how to worm their way around things. So, Nina and Sarah, it sounds like if you're born into the culture you grow up in, this all just makes perfect sense. And if you happen to move into the culture or marry into the culture, you just have to um, get, get your bearings, and in time, it will make sense to you as well. Yeah, I, look, I think that's true. And, uh, and I think that, you know, when you're in a relationship like we are in, uh, what happens initially is 
you know, in Frederick's case, he'd never questioned some of these things. So it was tremendously confronting for mm. him as well at first. You know, I was sort of grappling with the social codes. And funnily enough, I think much more than the language, obviously the language is part of it. And when I first moved to France, I only had schoolgirl French. So that so dinner parties, for example, yeah. were very difficult. But more than the language, it was understanding those social codes and conventions um, that was really difficult. And I think we can sometimes forget that it's very difficult for the other partner as well because for the first time in, in Frederick's case he was seeing his country through someone else's eyes. It sounds like that's part of the intrigue. I mean you you two were both uh, stimulated and challenged by marrying into a different culture and at the same time your men were probably intrigued by getting intimate with an American or an Australian who had just as many differences and charms from their culture. I'm Rick Steves. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We've been talking with Sarah Turnbull, and Sarah's book is called Almost French, Telling Her Story. And Nina Sovich has a fascinating blog at thesestolendays.com. Nina and Sarah, let's just finish with a, a little bit of romantic advice for our listeners. Share with us just very briefly one of the joys, the magical, rewarding joys of falling in love uh, with a Frenchman and also a little bit of warning. I think I'd just like to say, like, I think that there's a little bit of a stereotype that Frenchmen are seductive or seducers or serial seducers. I don't think that's true. I think that there's, a, there's some political figures in France who have mm. a lot of women. But I think that the Frenchmen are very family-oriented and very traditional, actually, in their heart of hearts. And so I, that's both a plus mm. and a minus. I, I don't think that if you are, you know, starting to date a French man and things are going well and it feels like you're falling in love, I don't, I don't think it's a casual mm-hmm. thing for them. I like that. Just commenting on Frenchmen would be, in general, traditional and family-oriented. Mm. And, and Sarah, what's your thought? I agree with that. Well, I, I would say, given my own experience, probably uh, ditch the warm-up pants, the uh, sweatpants. <laughs> um, that would be one word of advice. And then I guess more broadly, I would say don't take things personally because it was a big mistake I did at the beginning. Um, and that's when it comes to interactions with other people and when I felt I wasn't having the, the social success that you know I expected or would have liked and, and, and wasn't making friends with French people as easily as I'd hoped or might have done in my own country. And I took it quite personally. And in fact, it's not. You just The longer you stay there, the more you understand, the more you see the context, the more you see that it's not because you're a foreigner, it's not because you're you, it's just the way things are. Nina Sovich and Sarah Turnbull, bravo for the, the courage of, of jumping into another culture and congratulations for putting together what seems like beautiful lives with, with great families and, and caring husbands and, and best wishes. Thank you so much for sharing with us today. Thank you. Thanks, Rick. Each year, Rick Steves Tour Guides take free-spirited travelers on escorted tours through France and beyond, one small group at a time. This year, we're featuring tours of Paris and the south of France, Paris and the heart of France, Paris by itself, and the villages and vineyards of eastern France. For a free catalogue and Rick's Tour Experience DVD, visit the tour pages at ricksteves.com.